0: The Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. Rick, uh, the range of emotions as Tyler Huntley rose into the air to look like stick the ball across the goal line for a go-ahead 24-17 touchdown for Baltimore with just under 12 minutes left. Only to have the ball poked away. Sam Hubbard raced 98 yards to the craziest run ever. Um, I, I can't. It's it's got to be the most iconic play in Bengals history.
1: Just absurd. And I was just thinking about this because Dan Hoard tweeted out his call, a SoundCloud link oh, to wow. his call yeah. of it, and I thought about it for a second. How many iconic Cincinnati sports moments has Dan Hoard called in just the <laughs> last two years? That's a good point. Think about the UC football run and and the Bengals going to the Super Bowl last year and and now this play, which in terms of individual plays might be the most iconic of the bunch.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny. I'm I'm, we're doing this podcast at like two o'clock in the morning and I've got a a story I'm writing from the game and uh, it's I'm literally going I'm taking different layers of that of that play after talking to numerous players after the game from Logan Wilson who punched it out to obviously Sam Hubbard to then um, a- Akeem Davis Gaither actually called for a lateral and-, and Sam didn't lateral it, to Marcus Bailey making that little brush block on on uh, on uh, on Mark Andrews who almost ran it down, to then the reaction of all the players who watched it. Um, Ted Karras said he wasn't even watching the play. He was talking to Frank Pollock and he heard the crowd roar, roar and he looked up and he's watching Sam run down the field and he's looking at the jumbotron and finally he yells, Turn around. Somebody turn around and block somebody. I mean, there are so many layers to that play. I'm looking forward to finishing writing it. I've barely started as we've done this podcast. I've got it kind of sketched out, but I mean, what a crazy play with so many layers to it.
1: It really was. And it's a good play by Sam Hubbard. He's the star of the play because he was the one that returned it. That I whole think Logan
0: way. Wilson is the star of the play.
1: Well, that's what I was just going to get into. Not that I'm like, oh, Logan Wilson deserves more credit or anything like that. But it was just it, Sam Hubbard was kind of just right guy at the right place, the right time c- spot in the situation. It was more uh, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt too was the initial defender who stood up Huntley on the play. Right and then gave Logan Wilson that opportunity to knock the ball loose and Hubbard comes away with it. Like you said, there are a lot of layers to the play. It is about as an exciting of a play as you can have in an an NFL game because in that moment, as the opponent, you've just conceded that. Like as a fan of of the opponent, you've just conceded that as a touchdown. That is an automatic right there, or at least you think. And it was interesting to hear after the game because the way it played out with Huntley deciding to go over top of right. the pile with all those guys right behind him, you're thinking, well, what it, 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 did their wires get crossed? What they happened did. there? Because they did. normally they did. you would push. If you've got those guys up there, he's going to push the quarterback. He's going to get low. And in this case, Huntley went over the top. And if you're going to do that, normally you would try to spread the defenders out, which they talked about on the broadcast. You wouldn't want all those linebackers right there at the line of scrimmage knowing what you're going to do in that situation. And of course, after the game in the the post-game press conference, uh, Harbaugh revealed that, yeah, he was not supposed to try to go over the top. So it was just totally a blown decision there by Huntley.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was supposed to, what what he said, he was supposed to burrow in not Joe burrow, mind you, he was supposed to burrow down low and then have the push come from behind. So, yeah. And and so as the play unfolded? I I always put binoculars on close yardage plays or what, you know, is going to be a run play. And I literally gasped, Oh my God, Sam Hubbard's got the ball. And I think everybody around me went, like, what? And then you saw him running. It was like, yes, yeah, Sam Everett's got the ball. And then you're looking around, and, and Mark Andrews is to his crowd. I mean, what a great effort by him to almost run that thing down. I mean, he was running, uh, from what I understand, from next gen. I've not seen it yet, so I'm, I am maybe speaking out of turn. But I think he was running three miles per hour faster than anybody else on the Bengals at that time. And for Marcus Bailey at the last second to see him and go, I just got to brush him. I don't want to clip him. I got to at least touch him. And then Andrews falls and allows Hubbard to finish it off. You know, Hubbard, the fact that he has hundred and ten yard sprints in the in the summertime, in the off time, um, to to keep himself in shape for for any kind of situation like that. And then to to he was gassed, he needed oxygen, but to pull it off, I I mean, I it is the it is literally the craziest play ever from just an oral history perspective.
1: Now there were a lot of especially Baltimore fans on Twitter, but national people too, who were talking about it should have been a block in the back on Bailey. Did you not think gonna was call clean? it?
0: Yeah, they're not going to call that. He he got him in the shoulder. I, I get it. I get you. Everybody sees everything through their own colored glasses. I'm trying not to. I, I think it was a brush. Um, if he'd have clearly clipped him or pushed him from the from behind, I think that's one thing. It, he kind of got him on the side, and um, you know, I, you've seen that a thousand times where guys are running down the field. And I think officials, unless it's completely blatant, they're not going to allow that because the guy's ahead of the pack, even if they think. The guy can catch him because you can't assume that even if he catches him, he tackles him. Right. Again, great effort by Mark Andrews, though. I mean, my God, the guy hustled the crap out of that.
1: That's a fast white boy.
0: It is a fast white
1: boy. He was moving. But uh, no, that I mean, just an insane play after the game. J.K. Dobbins, the running back for the Ravens, went off to reporters, basically yeah, said he, he, he is tired of not getting the ball, tired of being held back, said Huntley should have never been in that position on the sneak. And and he should have had the ball and also said that if they would have had Lamar Jackson, they would have won your comments, if any, to J.K. Dobbins.
0: Um Honestly, shut your pie hole and play your role, man. <laughs> I, I I get it. I, you know, I mean, I know there is uh,
1: some truth to what he's saying about he probably should have gotten a few more attempts, right? He
0: probably should have, but they've always been kind of running back by committee. Um, they like Gus Edwards to slam it up in there. Huntley had some runs in the in the in the in the quarterback run game. Uh, you know, young man, just honestly, I get your frustration. I get that you you wanted to play a bigger role in that. I, I don't even mind him complaining about not getting the touches. To say that you would have won the game with Lamar is absurd. Lamar's quit quit on you guys, bro. He's quit on you. That's lame.
1: That's really lame. And and in that play specifically, I kind of get where he's coming from because, let's face it, Lamar scores on that. And I also get his point that Tyler Huntley should not have been put in that situation because I'm a big believer in you go down with your best players. Tyler Huntley's not a dude. We've seen that over the last few weeks. He's not that type of guy. He's serviceable. He can keep you in a game. Maybe he'll make a play here and there. Heck. I was surprised by a few of the passes he made in today's game, which probably were more blown coverage by the Bengals defense. But even still, you can't put him in that situation. You've got to give the ball to one of your real playmakers if you don't have Jackson back there.
0: So I I do
1: kind of agree with Dobbins. I don't think he should probably be saying that after the game, but I do kind of agree with what
0: he's saying. Yeah, or Tyler Huntley needs to do what he's asked to do on that sneak, which is go low and have everybody push you from behind.
1: Sure, but I mean, that that's the whole point, right? Yeah. He's, not, he's a guy that's going to panic and doesn't know what to do in that type of situation right. because he's not that type of guy. Right. And that, that's just the reality of the situation. So I get where he's coming from on that, but obviously a bad look. And the whole we would have won if we had Lamar thing is just as lame yeah. as you can get as professional. Yeah,
0: it, you know, nice of Lamar to travel with his teammates. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Skinny, uh, I
1: wanted to move it forward here. There was still some time left after the Bengals scored yeah. that touchdown to go up. That final play by Baltimore was, to me, way closer than anyone seemed it to really realize was. in the moment or give it credit.
0: Well, for. It, 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 I will tell you, from a press box perspective, I just thought it was batted down and nobody came close to it. In retrospect, hoo boy, they came real close to it. Yeah, I mean, he got both
1: of his hands. The, the receiver in the back of the end zone I don't even know who it was. I think it was Prochet. Okay. He got both of his hands on the ball, and there was no one around him in terms of a defender to knock it loose or anything. So if he's able to corral that ball, he's probably going to bring it in. Uh, I mean, after seeing the replay, did you think there was a real chance he could have caught that, or do you think it was probably uncatchable?
0: I I thought he had a chance to catch it. I mean, in real time, with binoculars on it, and I'm trying to, you know, scramble to finish writing um, the gamer as it's Finishing—it's the finishing play—and I was pretty much there, and I did get a chance to watch the play. I just kind of when I saw it get tipped, and I saw it go to the ground, I'm like, "Oh, okay, it's easy incompletion." Then you see it again, you're like, "Oh, wow, that's that's really too close for comfort." But you know, maybe it was meant to be. Well,
1: all the people talking about this weekend and the NFL script writers and and how good uh, the games were—could you imagine if that play well, had made it successfully and we go to overtime after? Well,
0: that? or Harbaugh goes for two. Trill. Yeah, that, we, that was our conversation with guys around me in the press box. Of Would you have gone for two scored, in that situation? I, I think he would have. I think he would have. I think he would. Now, you could also argue your defense has kind of stuck it up the Bengals' ass for the most part over the last few drives. Because that was the other part that was was both great for the Bengals, bad for the Bengals, was the fact that after 24-17, the offense just got manhandled. But the defense came up on the lead. They, they actually had three more stops they had to make, the defense did, which they made. But... You th- I honestly thought after after the touchdown and then they forced a Ravens punt quickly. I thought, all right, they're driving for at least a field goal. Burrow's going to make this work, and that's going to be that good night. And it never did. And that that was a little that was a little disappointing. Not well, on Joe's part, but just on the offense's part. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about that a little bit
1: because you know the, the second half started off ideal, really, the same way as right. the first half did for the most part. They forced a punt on defense, then they go on a long 80, drive, three 80. yard drive. Right, and they get a touchdown on the Joe Burrow sneak, and, and then Burrow finds Higgins for the two-point conversion. They go up by seven, and at that point, you, things are feeling pretty good. It feels like they've got the momentum back, and you're right. A- after that, the offense was really never heard from nope. again. That's back-to-back weeks now. Granted, it is against the Ravens both time, who have a fantastic defense. They're in your division. They know you very well, all of those things. But is there some concern sure. that two weeks in a row Joe hasn't been very sharp? Didn't put up big numbers, and the offense was kind of stuck in neutral.
0: And I could argue three games in a row because I'm going to throw Buffalo out for a moment. If you go to the second half of New England, right? It was twenty-two nothing New England.
1: Fair point. Yeah, good yeah, point. I
0: mean, so that's now. There's obviously different mitigating circumstances because the offensive line now is is a is a shambles. But I mean, the first drive of the second half that was Jackson Carmen at left tackle, right? I mean, that was. Three different guys, and they moved the ball very well. And I thought they ran it great. I thought they, you know, J- Jamar Chase, I thought, had a spectacular game, to be quite frank, um, made a bunch of big, tough catches for them. And Joe was 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 dealing. But, you know, you, after that, you're right, Rick, it was 17-10. They go down and hit the Demarcus Robinson long touchdown. Bengals failed to answer. And then Huntley takes him on the long drive that led to the play of the game. I mean, the play of the game was made by the defense. The offense really, after seventeen to ten, did. I, I, I haven't crunched the numbers yet. I mean, they only had two hundred. this off the top of my head because I wrote it, but I don't remember. Like two hundred thirty-four yards for the game. The offense really did literally nothing on its final four or five drives of the game.
1: Right, Burrow's twenty-three of thirty-two for two hundred nine yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He was sacked four times, and obviously the the bigger part of that conversation is you came into this game with a new right side of your offensive right. line that hadn't played for most of the year. And then Jonah Williams goes down in the second quarter on that same play where Hayden Hurst fumbled the ball right. and you lose him for the rest of the game. I guess, first of all, what's the update? Is there any type of update coming out Nothing, of the game about but, how bad but, it is?
0: But I'm a big believer in this. When, when a guy um, goes out like that and is declared out literally basically at halftime, That's never a good sign.
1: Especially an offensive lineman with a knee,
0: right? Correct. Correct. I mean, I guess your hope this week is Kappa can come back. And again, that's just a hope. Um, You know, he was in his locker sitting next to Ted Karras when we were talking to him. And he was kind of joking around with all of us as we were joking around with Ted and talking to Ted. Maybe that's – I'm just reading into the sign. I mean, maybe it's a good sign. If that's the case, you know. Do you start to mix and match sharp mix and match sharpening? Does he play right tackle? Identi go to left tackle? Karma go to the back? I don't. I, they got a lot to sort out for sure because a lot of it is fluid because you don't know about Kappa. Um, I think you know that Jonah's at least done for this week, if not done for the season. Unfortunately, I mean, down for a long time. Immediately to the tent. Immediately to the locker room. Questionable to out very quickly. That's never a good thing, Rick. Never.
1: Are there any moves they can make at this point? Um, Calling Andrew Whitworth on line one, Mr. Whitworth, please pick up. We joked about it last week and it it sounded kind of silly and it it did did at the time, but now it's like, how crazy is that really in the situation you're currently in?
0: Yeah. I just, again, I have to go back to the point of, has he been preparing for that moment? I mean, that's the bottom line to it. I mean, at this stage of the game, I don't think the finances, even though the Bengals only have like two mil of cap space left and you need to roll some of it over because you got these contracts to pay. Um, I think they're going to roll with what they got and probably bring like a Devin Cochran up or honestly at this stage, don't forget, they, they've not brought Isaiah. That's a, that's a weird part. They've not brought Isaiah Prince up. I mean, that, that he was supposed to be the starter according to Joe Burrow two or whatever it was, two weeks ago, and he still isn't up. So you got that move you can make. And does he get into the mix to battle? Maybe he plays enough. Maybe you see enough of him. He's the right tackle. Hakeem's the left tackle. I mean, I think this is, this is still a really fluid situation for them up front.
1: It wasn't like the Ravens were exactly off on Burrow in this game or in the second half, necessarily. But,
0: but here's how- the Answer me this, because guys I sit around, Paul Daner and, and Charlie Goldsmith and, and Jay Morrison and I kept... It, it felt like... Th- there were snaps where the offensive line was disjointed. Like they didn't get on the same, like the ball was snapped and they all kind of froze or two guys froze. It felt weird. I mean, did it look like that on TV?
1: Yeah. And I I assumed that was the lack of communication and chemistry between Newport subbing in and just not, you know, if they stunt or twist or they loop around a guy or something, them not knowing exactly how to handle some of those situations. And I think that's where you saw them, really get screwed up, whether it be the the holding penalty that we saw or some of the plays where they just got flat out beat, it seemed to be those types of things that you're talking about, where they they almost froze in the moment and didn't didn't move and didn't seem to know where the guy was going to be coming from or who they were supposed to be responsible for. But I guess I want to ask you, how much do you think the offense's struggles, not even just in this game, but even going back to last week, are a result of those offensive line issues?
0: Oh, sure. I mean, because remember the mantra early in the year? I think it was true. and I, I do think it was real um, with the 0-2 start and kind of the struggles even to the, you know, the loss of the Ravens um, early on was the lack of cohesion. I mean, you brought in new pieces, and it was great that you did. And individually, you went, well, Lyle Collins is an upgrade, and Alex Kapp is an upgrade, and Ted Karras is an upgrade, and the rookie left guards an upgrade, but they hadn't played together. And I think that's kind of where you are with this. You know, unfortunately, um, you don't have the same luxury of of time to get this together. But, you know, maybe you get through this game, you kind of look and go, okay, you're seeing this. What are you seeing here? Let's fix that part of it. It's still going to be hard, but at least there's a game rep under the belt for Adenegy now and Sharping. And I talked to Max on Wednesday or whatever. He said he thought it was going to be helpful that him and he and Adenity had played together, not on the scout team, but basically on the second team going against the Bengals' first team defense, which is kind of the scout team, I guess. But yeah, they're not scout team guys, but that that that's their reps, and they had been playing side by side, so you would hope the communication there is really good. You know, then you're throwing Jackson into a spot where, quite frankly. We've seen Jackson play where in his career to this point? Only guard. Right. Um, now he was a tackle in college, and they threw him out there at left tackle. And um, honestly, I didn't think he embarrassed himself. I really don't. Uh, you know, it was kind of a collection up front. I mean, that he was part of, again, that 83-yard drive to start the second half and deserves some credit for stepping in there and playing pretty well under fire at a position he hasn't played really in the NFL. So I, you don't have the luxury of time but I'm interested to see how they shake it out this week because there are different ways you can go. I mean, if you believe Isaiah Prince is a better player than Jackson Carmen, well, Akeem Adanji also as a swing tackle, been repping left tackle, not now because he's the starting right tackle, but for the first 15 weeks, maybe you flip him there and Jackson's back to the backup role.
1: It's been impactful, and it's going to be impactful. There's no doubt about that.
0: It is, Rick, but the only thing I would say is this, and this is where I have a hard time judging this, Honestly, I think if you'd had your starting offense, that defense is just damn good. They're good. Well,
1: and that's that's exactly what I was going to ask you. I mean, like, is this to the point where you go into Buffalo thinking as a Bengals fan, it'd take a miracle to win with this makeshift offensive line? Or do you think, no, nah, this game could be a shootout. Buffalo's defense isn't quite the same as the Ravens defense. And maybe you'll get in a, a more high scoring game and the Bengals will be fine.
0: Listen, Josh Allen makes mistakes. He's great. He's obviously superbly great. But the dude makes some weird mistakes. He made a bunch today. Skylar Thompson made some plays when he needed to. He wasn't great. He wasn't even very good. But he made some big plays when he had to. So they went in with their third string dude. They went in with their third string quarterback, and their offensive line is a mess. Miami's. I don't think it's even. I think it's a bigger mess than the Bengals' mess currently. And you got Joe Burrow to fix that mess. No, I don't think it's a miracle or impossible. And I think the line shows it. Buffalo, I think, is a three and a half point favorite. That's probably right if the teams were one hundred percent apiece.
1: Well, and I think you also got
0: to go back to last year. Uh, How much worse can you be than the offensive line last year in the playoffs? Remember this? Yeah, I mean, remember this next round in the playoffs was Joe Burrow got the living daylights kicked out of him in Tennessee, and they still won a game.
1: Right. And you know the other part of it, to the point we were making before about the offense's struggles, and maybe struggles isn't the right word, but just being a little more sluggish than they have been or you'd like to see them be, half those games are more last year when they were making that run. I mean, they had the two huge games right before the postseason right. to end the regular season. But then in the the postseason, uh, Joe wasn't putting up huge numbers for the most part. It, w- it was a lot more... Just defense. do what you need to to win the game and, and have the defense make those, those big plays.
0: Yeah, defense had takeaways. I believe I'm doing this off the top of my head. Nine turn, nine takeaways in the four postseason games. They're now over their last six games. They've got 13 takeaways in their last six games. They're finding ways to, to not just get stops but get takeaways. Um, do I think you go to Buffalo and win a game 23-20 or 2017? Probably not. But if Josh Allen does some Josh Allen goofy things of giving the ball away, I think that that the Bengals have a legit chance in in this one. And you saw Joe Dealing in that Monday night game before the tragedy with DeMar Hamlin. Um, I, I, I just don't, again, I think everybody takes this in a vacuum of, oh my gosh, now the offensive line sucks. Yeah, it's not as good as what it was, but they found a way to mask it last year. They found a way to get around it last year. You put faith and say, maybe they can do it again. Um, And if not, it may not be because they they didn't have a good plan. It may just be that, honestly, the AFC is just stacked. It's so funny to look at what's left in the NFC of Brock Purdy, Daniel Jones, old man Tom Brady, and Dak Prescott are your core, and Jalen Hurts, and I like Jalen Hurts, but he's a runner more than he's a thrower. The AFC, I mean, the quarterback group is, Justin Herbert's great, and he's out of the playoffs, man.
1: Although, we should say, everyone who thought that he was a better talent and a better quarterback than Joe Burrow the first two years of their career look really stupid right
0: now. Yeah, no, but he's still really good, and that mm. AFC is just stacked with dudes.
1: I, I, mean, I don't know if he has it upstairs.
0: You've you've got you've got Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes left. Those three dudes are going to be trading haymakers for the next five to seven years. As to who goes to the Super Bowl each year,
1: it's true, and it's awesome to watch. I mean, that, that's the thing about it. If you've got one of those types of quarterbacks, you always have a chance regardless of what else is going on yes. with your team. Yes. And that's the situation the Bengals are in. I mean, seriously, Skinny, to go back to that fumble play where the ball gets stripped and Sam Hubbard is sprinting down the field for 98 yards, I watched that play. And as much as I wanted to be like up and screaming and, and celebrating the play, it was almost this weird feeling of, how surreal it was to be a Bengals fan for the last 30 years and always be like, that's the type of stuff that's going to happen. Yep. You're in the game and you're going to be the one that fumbles and lose it in some crazy fashion. Or uh, uh, the number of plays as a Bengals fan that you can recite that happened to you that were exactly like that, where you lose in spectacular fashion in a game that seemed like you had it either won or you had a great opportunity to win it are so, there, there's so many of them. To have one go like this for you still is just, it almost doesn't feel real. It's hard to believe it played out that way.
0: The, the, the twenty fifteen season playoff game, right, where you exactly. you, you lost it, you won, no, well, you were losing it, you came back to lead it, you won it, you lost it, you won it, you lost it, and then you lost it. I mean, it was that that was that game in reverse.
1: It really was, and so now the Bengals next week will take on the Bills three p.m. Sunday that game is in Buffalo if you if you want the rundown for the full weekend Saturday you got Jaguars at Chiefs at 4 30 p.m Giants at Eagles 8 15 p.m Saturday night and then on Sunday you've got Bengals at Bills Sunday on local PM. 12
0: on local 12
1: on local 12 and Cowboys or Bucks at 49ers yep. at 6 30 so skinny any other injury news that came out of the game
0: no I, I um the, I'm i i Joseph Osai, I left Zach's press conference about midway through to go to the locker room because I just had so much stuff to mind in the locker room, and we we, sh- we get a transcript from the Bengals. So, um, it, you know, if my question's done and I don't need to ask anything else pertinent, I can always get that. So I went to the locker room. So I don't know if the Joseph Osai question was asked because he came out dangling his arm. Eli Apple, we saw get hurt, and, and he came back and played. Maybe much to the chagrin of Bengals fans because Demarcus Robinson made a great double move on him. Um, yeah, I will say that the, you need Eli Apple, right? I, now. Yes, you do. It's so funny. I, I got so many tweets of ah, that. They, they need to get rid of him. Listen, go look at any, I don't think, he, listen, he's not an all pro. He's not a pro bowler. He's not even upper echelon. He's just a cornerback in this league. And even great cornerbacks are going to get beat on a great double. And it was a great double move. I, if you go back, go look at the Twitter in the, in the story that I, the game story I did. And I embed the tweets from most of the scoring plays he makes a slant and go that just froze Eli Apple, and he, it happens. It's You're a corner on an island sometimes, man, and if you bite, they're going to get you. They're going to well, get you.
1: Eli Apple is the best the Bengals got right now, for better or worse. They yes. need him desperately out there because the other part of that is Cam Taylor Brittle makes make some plays, but he's also going to screw yeah. up at times and have his miscues,
0: and Dax Hill has not looked great. No, and, and well, and he's not a corner, but the Right, but just, the I'm player. just talking about
1: your secondary in general. No, right, it's right. Like, right. Well, you've got those other parts out there that are a little weaker. You need Eli Apple.
0: No question. And, and, and Dax, I mean, Dax had a huge face mask penalty while playing corner in place of Eli Apple that, if you recall, led to a touchdown. Um, they had him stopped, and he got called for the face mask. He had two special teams penalties that could have loomed large. So yeah, he did not, he did not have a great run of it. So yes, you may not like Eli Apple. He may get beat, but to Rick's point, uh, Mike Hilton's your best corner, but he's not an outside corner. He's just slot guy. I mean, that little dude is just, he is just crazy good. He had um,
1: another great game.
0: He did. He had another great game, but he's not an outside corner. So sometimes you have to s- separate. I mean, their outside corners are Eli Apple, Cam Taylor, Britton, the backups are Trey Flowers in a pinch, Alan George in a pinch, Dax Hill in a pinch. It's not optimal, man. This is the point where you 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 miss Chadobia wujie Despite the fact that I say that, do you know that since Shadobia wujie got hurt, the Bengals have not lost a game? It's crazy. It is crazy.
1: But I mean, I I wouldn't say that has anything to do with losing it has nothing to do with it.
0: It's just it's it's a it's crazy, crazy statistical anomaly, is what it is.
1: Yeah, and, and by the way. Thank God they still have Jesse Bates back there, Roman Center Field for him. Yeah, or this coverage may look a whole lot worse than it does right now.
0: Yeah, no. The one thing I'll leave you with this is is is, and this is a secondary story I'm going to write at some point tomorrow. We're hopefully talk to Lou Anarumo, the defensive. We can't talk to coordinators after games, but I talked to a bunch of players about this. Is the fact of of just how much this defense takes the pride of of never assuming. That the team's going to score on them, never taking for granted in the Renzo that oh woe is us we can't get a stop, and they just keep doing it time and time again. And at some point you go you know what that's not just luck that's mindset That's scheme that's that's guys just by and I'll go back to even I even asked Logan I said why did you, why did you punch at the ball rather than than just try to push him back and he said honestly he goes. Um, I was at the stage where I didn't know where he was. I couldn't get to push him back. The only thing I could do was punch at the football. And I said, how hard was it not to assume he was already in? He goes, no, my man. He goes, can't assume there. You got to play it to till the, till the whistle. And I thought that was the answer I was looking for. But I'm like, that's what this defense does really well. They They do find ways to get stops when they have to get stops. And I'll go back to even the Buffalo game. Remember that game, you know, Burrow takes the offense down, bing, bang, boom. He looks like he's ready to just dice and slice and move the whole thing through. And um, Buffalo comes right back, which you knew they're going to get a bunch of yards. They average over 400 yards a game, but in the red zone, held them to a field goal. And maybe that game would have come down to literally that red zone stop.
1: It's incredible how they don't give up on those plays. They don't assume anything in terms of giving up a score. You know, it's always... Give up the yards, but don't give up the points with Luana Rumo's defense. That's always been the thing. But the other part of it, skinny, is the opportunistic turnovers that they, it's not just luck at this point you you go back to last year you see the run they had you go okay that's great but they got lucky with some of those turnovers. at this point skinny seeing what they just did to close out the regular season seeing what they already did in this first playoff game where you know i mean they haven't had a defensive touchdown all year and then back-to-back games against the ravens right they come up with defensive touchdowns they get the interception too i mean this is just it's part of the system. It's part of who they are, their culture, and what they do as a defensive unit under Lou Anarumo. And it, yeah. I mean, it's impressive.
0: Yeah, and to the to the point of the, the interception again. I'm looking forward to talking to Lou about. It. He won't give away obviously company secrets, but it looked like that Tyler Huntley didn't think Akeem Davis Gaither was going to be where he was to make. And it was a great diving interception. But it was almost like he didn't know, he didn't expect him to be there. So did Lou give him a little wrinkle that he didn't expect and slung it out that way? And all of a sudden, oh crap! There's a dude, and he makes a diving interception.
1: Yeah. A great play by Akeem Davis Gaither, who he's, I mean, crazy to think where he's at, at this point, he's come a long way over the last two years. Uh, But yeah, I mean, just anything else really to wrap up this win, which was,
0: no, it's just, it's a mean, It's it's
1: hard to believe we're at this point in Cincinnati, right? Where we're just, we're talking about playoff wins again.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I was the, the craziest night I've covered. Probably any sporting event in my lifetime was the night of the, the, the crazy 2015 season playoff loss, where there was so much to unpack from dudes running up the tunnel, acting like fools to (laughs) penalties at the end to Pac-Man going off on Instagram. I mean, I literally stayed up all night working on stuff and I had to do a radio hit and out of place market early the next morning, the Sunday morning. And um, I was gassed. This one was just, this was, this was crazy in a good way where you're like, what just happened? And how did that happen? And that's where I, I finally, as I was walking down to the locker room, I'm like, right, what, am I, what do I want to write now? I'm like, I want to write about the opportunistic defense and why are they so good at it? I've written it before, but man, in this setting, then I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to talk to all the dudes involved in the play and let's just unpack the play for tonight. And so, I'm, I'm Rick, I'm at a stage in my career. I don't enjoy the writing part of it as much as I enjoy this and the reporting part. And all those things, the writing part to me can be a chore. I'm actually looking forward to kind of writing this tonight because I want to see how it unpacks itself because there are so many good quotes, in my opinion, and just kind of, like I said, from the guy who makes the play to force the fumble, who doesn't even see it until he hears the crowd roar and sees Sam running the other way. And then he said, hey, I just started jogging because I figured he's going to score and I'm tired and, and we're going to have to go back on defense to, to Sam Hubbard himself, to Akeem Davis Gaither want the lateral, to Marcus Bailey making the block. To to Ted Karras on the sideline, not even watching till he hears the crowd. Where he's talking to a, a position coach, and then he's like yelling like a crazy man to Joe Burrow and to Joe Mixon. The, just the reaction of all the players who then saw it, uh, you can only imagine. And to Zach Taylor, I mean, to, to all of those things. There's so much to unpack from it. But I'm actually looking forward to it because it was it was crazy good.
1: All right. I think that's a good place to leave it. Bengals at Bills next Sunday, 3 p.m. We'll be back to break it all down after that one. And, of course, we'll have our weekly Potpourri podcast sometime in the middle of the week, Wednesday or Thursday.
0: Yes, indeed, because we got a lot of college basketball to discuss, as we always do. Sabres rolling. Kentucky gets a win. UC got a win. NKU got a win. So we got a lot to talk about in games this week as well. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals postgame edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.